Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic Podcast. I'm your host as always, Chris Gallagher, and I'm joined by this week, Chris Bowd. Hello, welcome, how you doing? With the terrific beard. It's alright, it's alright, it's uh, somewhere between Jesus and homeless. Have right you now. forgot, have you forgot how you hold the microphone? Is, have you been here? Hello, hello. Now you're doing a weird speaking in, just the top. Yeah. There, there we you. go, there, there we, we go. are. Terrific. You, you know, you never forget. Except there, when you did. Uh, Christian Wolf. I shaved yesterday. Good. So my uh, my beard is non-existent. Looks like he should be in, a, in the Bell and Sebastian, or some sort of nautical-themed French uh, play, maybe? French play. Yeah. Um, your wife could produce it. She's obviously very good and talented artistic. She's more on the stage. I'm more behind the camera. Behind the camera. Yeah. Uh, but no, you could it's be... the best. Yeah. He's ugly, but he's actually quite handsome. He's annoyingly handsome. Yeah. I think uh, I think the word you're looking for is Norwegian. Yeah, that's it's all annoyingly Norwegian. I think when I go back to Norway, I'm positively ugly. Positively ugly. Uh, you're kind of taking charge yourself and Keith with the 90 minute Sonic supplement. Talk us through it. Yes, myself and and Keith. Um, Say that myself, me mainly me. But so supplement Keith and I is Keith. the correct English. Do you know how oh, I, 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 do you know how I learned that MF, correct English from Whitnell and I? Boom. Boom. Great movie. Anyways, going back to the supplement. So the next supplement is being released next week. So if you haven't been paying attention, the supplement is basically how we uh, organize our website now. So we get, we've get we got a bunch of what we think is really good writers. Uh, and every other month, uh, we ask them to contribute an article. And we kind of put it out in a, what we call a fancy word, a, a periodical. So if we at some time get organized, we might actually put it into a PDF, PDF format and, and call it a magazine. But for now, we're just going to release all the articles uh, at once. So we're going to do that probably next Friday next week or Saturday, just before the, the big Glasgow derby. Um, so again, some of the same guys who, who uh, wrote last time, you're going to have regular columnists, some new people coming in this time as well. So about 10, 11 articles. I'm writing a little something. I got an interview series, new interview series as interview well. Interview series with, with um. So my interview series, okay. If you since you asked, Gal, my interview series is I, going I to be. We ask, just I'm going to try and talk to all the Scottish players and coaches who's been in Norwegian football, and all the Norwegian coaches and players who's been in Scottish football. So my first one uh, this week is actually a former Rangers player. Yeah, which is so, down, so. down well. <laughs> yeah, it's particularly well-loved former Rangers player. As long so. as it's an inter- interesting uh, article and interview, then I'm sure people... Oh, I can't promise that. Care. But next weekend, um, I know I actually just plugged my own article there, but actually week on Friday or Saturday, we'll be releasing 10 to 11 uh, articles, so stay tuned to the Twitter for that. Stay go. tuned to the Twitter, at 90 Minute Cynic. Um, the website itself is 90minutecynic.com. Um, so the supplement, as Christian says, will be released on 90minutesinic.com, but we will tweet it out and Facebook it. Uh, just kind of want to start by talking about, uh, you know, Billy McNeil, obviously the news um, about him being ill is uh, being released this sort of weekend. It's obviously genuinely sort of devastating. I've got a family member that suffers uh, from dementia and um, it's it's a harrowing uh, disease, but, you know, he's got his family and uh, a good support system. Um, and we wish, genuinely wish Billy McNeil all the best. And if you can, you know, contribute to any sort of charity that's that's kind of involved with that, then that would be terrific. Um, nice to see GB donate £1,967 to the dementia. I don't know if it's dementia friends or one of the other charities. 
Yeah, you have to speak yep. in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, um, terrific. Green Brigade, again, kind of leading by example, and we, we thank them for it. Um, but Billy McNeil, obviously a, an iconic British footballer, iconic Scottish footballer, um, absolute legend for Celtic overall. Um, also, not bad manager, pretty good manager, um, specifically for Celtic. Um, for leagues, he won. Was it four leagues he won? I think so. Um, as a player, he played 486 times for Celtic between 57 and 75, scoring 22 goals, centre half, um, powerful. Again, just iconic. You've seen all the kind of small videos and all that coming out over YouTube where he's talking about, you know, Lisbon and, you know, what it meant and holding up the trophy. 29 caps for, Scot- for Scotland. Um Read into that what you will. Read into that what you will. Um, pretty much one of the most iconic and era-defining defenders. 29 caps. Um, disappointing. Three goals. It's a good ratio in terms of goals to caps. <laughs> it's not <all> right, eh? <laughs> so okay. What Big Bailey was, uh, was most famous for, but... Um, no, but I, and, and you know, obviously, he was you know from from our point of view, he was a manager when when we done the the double in eighty eight, which was the centenary season. Still, yeah, we but ate but ate my mother on a daily basis for giving away my centenary top. I believe the same happened to every boy her age, <laughs> um, with the uh, the exception of a few. But you were going to say, I was going to say absolutely nothing. I don't know why you came to me. All right, you know, not into. No, no, uh, no. Billy was fantastic. Yeah, we we were a bit young to um, see his first run as manager um, at Celtic. Or not born. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> more realistic. Yeah, but although the, Bell Bell from Bell and Sebastian over here was probably alive at the time, but well, I was, I was very little in the mid sixties. About, um, but I think having you know talking just about the supplementer as well. Uh, one of the articles we have is an extract from the Lisbon Lions book by Andy Dugan. Andy who, Dugan, who's yeah. also been on the pod. So I think, um, which is a, obviously the, the 50th anniversary coming up this summer, we'll probably try and get Andy back on the pod as well because he was somebody who's he is actually old enough to remember some of it, but also he wrote a, a book about the Lisbon Lions as well, which which we have extracts for in the supplement. So I think that would be good to bring him on and maybe especially talk a bit about Bill McNeil then as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, if you go back, if you look at our speaker or iTunes, if you go back, you can see uh, we did a feature podcast with Andy Dugan um, regarding his uh, the book he did. So I think it was January last year? January yeah. last year, um, where we talk about the, the infamous game um, what was the, the actual names of the teams again? I can't remember. Uh, Dino. Dino. And the, the Ukrainian team in the Second World War that escaped the victory is, is very loosely based on. Yeah, loosely um, being a, a very... But he, he mentioned his, his Lisbon Lion books there as well. So he, he obviously, he, he interviewed every single one of the, the Lions. And as I say, for, for the extract, uh, for the, the supplement rather, he's, we're having an extract in each number this year where he, he basically goes through preseason and each round of... Um, of, of the tournament and from from his book so it's, it's well worth uh, reading the supplement as well but I think we should try and get Andy on and actually talk through you know his experiences with the Lions yeah as far as I'm aware he's got quite a few um, stories about Betty Old but I'm pretty sure anyone who interviews Betty Old has got stories about him because he's one of the most quick witted and just hilarious guys around um, this leads me into uh, the kind of opening question and this is something we'll put out to everyone if you want to tweet in um, tweet us at 90 Minutes in it because it's always interesting to know what your uh, kind of thoughts and opinions are as well favourite captains um, obviously Billy McNeil being one of the most iconic captains in 
pretty much the icon of um, Celtic Football Club in terms of captains. But who are our favourite captains? And it's not just confined to Celtic. Um, but Boud, myself and Boud, um, we'll have a Celtic captain and another captain, if you will, Boudy. And Christian, you can have one or two of your own. We'll start with you, Christian. Is there any iconic captains who you really look up to? Well, talking about Billy McNeil there, obviously he was in an era where you know he's famous for that type of captain, where that type of captain really maybe came into the force. So he had him, himself, obviously, Bobby Moore, 1966, probably like the you know, classical English captain. And even that time, Ron Yates at, at Liverpool, so, so my club, uh, all the kind of like big centre-halves, you know, John Gregg, of course, the leader of men, yeah, absolutely, and I think that's it's pretty much that's you know that that's the quintessential captain when I think of one, somebody who's either centre half or central midfielder who's maybe not the best player on the team, but just your your, your natural leader, and I think because it's probably a, a you know I think there were a lot more maybe than now the coaches um, surrogate on the pitch rather than anything else, so that was. You know the, you know the captain was a lot more maybe supposed to be vocal to, to, to you know talk play uh, players through the game, and actually you know being an extension of the coach on the pitch. I think now captains is a bit it's often goes to the best player. So somebody Ronaldo. like Ronaldo or Messi, people who are not leaders in a sense that you know in, in of a collective and you know somebody maybe you you look up often you look up through the skills. Well, they're always almost divisive figures, but, but because they're the figurehead, um, and it maybe it's a lot more political decision now in terms, even in terms of you know PR and the promotional year, who is the captain? So, um, Scott Brown is probably one of the the last of his quintessential captains um, that that you'll have. So, yeah, I mean, you know, but personal favorite captains, obviously, being a goalkeeper, I've always liked, um, you know, the mad. Goalkeepers, captains. Um, my, my, Thomas Ravelli. Uh, Chilabert is probably my favorite, just because he did everything. You know, he, he was. He was loved just, a free kick. He loved a free kick. He just. And he, he, was, he was. He was. totally, totally boss. Um, so I think overall, um, it's probably Chilabert and the Costa Rican keeper. I know this is quite sore for you, 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 you Scots as well. In the nineteen ninety World Cup, absolutely uh, numbed. Luis Alberto Cunillo. It was when I grew up. Um, and he was, he was the captain of Costa Rica and the goalkeeper. So that's kind of who I grew up with, you know, him and, and Chilavera, who's just my, my captain icons. Captain, my captain. Um, Chris Bowd. Yeah. Um, You're going to say Scott Brown, aren't you? I, well, there's there's a lot of Celtic captains. Um, but Vidar Ryseth, of course, when he was captain yes. for that small period when everyone was injured and no one really wanted it because of the under Dr. Joe, we were in a lot of trouble and kept losing and all that. And he stood up. And he did. Um I'm assuming that you're going to go for Paul McStay, who would be possibly my choice, but it's him or Scott Brown. What an absolute beast of a well, captain Scott say, Brown is. You know, if Chris Armani was here, I'm pretty sure he would say Paul McStay as well. I was going to do a sort of uh, take McStay out of it, because to be honest, in my opinion, the most iconic Celtic captain of all time is probably Billy McNeil, just him standing with that European Cup, but second only to Paul McStay. Um so you go with Scott Brown. I'll go with Scott Brown. Um, of course, the captain of Scotland as well. Yes, and he's just we've, we've spoke about it before. Scott Brown can absolutely drive that team forward, and this season, 
um, is possibly been one of his best seasons for playing. But the season's gone past where Celtic haven't been performing as well, and he is literally, well, not literally, um, but he's taken that team by the scruff of the neck and dragged them through games to wins um, and, and driven the performance of the team, which is what we really talk about a captain doing, leading. Uh, and I think Scott Brown does that, and he does it phenomenally. Yeah, I, I agree. You want to make a comment? Yeah, on, on Scott Brown, I think he's a good example of somebody who, if he didn't have that personality, even as a captain, I don't think he would be in the Celtic team. Because, I mean, he's, he's had a very good season, don't get me wrong. But I think Rodgers is a lot more willing to accommodate him and, you know, play him a bit deeper and find a role for him because he, he does seem, especially from, at least from the outside, so integral to the team on it in, in you know, in a, in a mental way, in a, in a leadership way, and also off it as well. He's, he's obviously the focal point of that club. So I think, and then, you know, you know, he's, he's good enough to play in, more than good enough to, you know, play for Celtic on a high level in, in, in Scotland. But he's also, being, you know, his his team and his role is being made for him to keep him in the team because he plays a lot further back now, perhaps in a large part of the season, and I think that's because Rogers see that his other qualities as a captain is so important. Yeah, I think we kind of highlighted the fact that the New Year's Eve game against uh, you know Glasgow rivals that we weren't playing particularly well, and then Scott Brown has that tackle. But Scott Brown was playing; he had a shit first half an hour in that game as well but I, I remember hits, I said that he but then, then he goes in and you go oh you stupid idiot that could have been a red card but then as you say that triggered something it definitely did trigger something it completely did and you could see him turn around looking at them saying you know this is more than a football match and you know that's we'll talk about Celtic as in where we are currently that's something you know sometimes the players don't realise the sort of situation they're in in terms of, you know, playing Rangers, I think. I think we went to that game and sometimes you're not just playing a football club. You're not. Sometimes you're not playing a team, you've got to play the occasion, but that's a different situation. I would choose Paul Lambert. That's uh, a lovely choice. Captain of Celtic again, captain of Scotland as well. Scott Brown is captain of Celtic Scotland. Same, same with uh, Lambert, McStay had, had that role as well. Um, Paul Lambert to me is one of the greatest Scottish footballers of the last, you know, 25 years. Cultured. Cultured. Cultured midfielder. I think um, we can all agree. Obviously, what he did in Germany made him stand out. Um, released from Motherwell. Free agent. Goes to Bayern Munich first. Then he goes to... Goes on trial there. Goes to... Not Bayern Munich, sorry. Wolfsburg, right? He went to Wolfsburg on trial. McGath really liked him but couldn't guarantee him a spot. Then he goes to Dortmund and when he's at Dortmund... I think Hitzfeld liked him. He saw something in him. Saw a guy who was willing to learn, but then didn't didn't really have a first team ideal for him. And Lambert just made that position his own. And if you look back at that Juventus um, Dortmund match, you can see a, a, a Zidane completely marked out of the game. Which you know at that point Zidane was one of the top players in the world, and uh, Lambo absolutely dominated him like he dominates everyone. He you know. Absolutely smashed him. Smashed him. I think he was the most consistently played outfield player that season for Dortmund as well. Oh, I don't know. That's a you know, little might st- I just made it up. Who's to say? Stat, Christian. <coughs> no, let, let's don't start with the stat. You know, so, let's just keep it to the real football. Yeah, no, no, no that, no that nerdy stuff. No. He, look, he looks a bit angry. <laughs> uh, any other captains? <laughs> yes, um, 
the man named Il Capitano. <laughs> That's his name. No, uh, Paolo Maldini, of course. Of course. Uh, Milan and Italy captain. Yes. Absolute beast of a player. Um, left back, one of the greatest left, left backs back, of all time. Centre back. Then becomes a centre back. Cultured. Another yep. Cultured. Talk about a player loyal to his club as well. Yeah. Absolute Milan legend. And for me, just one of the greatest defenders of all time. One of the greatest players of all time, I'd say. I mean, he's, he's a, again, there's very few defenders who win World Player of the Year, but he's certainly one of them. Um, Cannavaro's another. Um, Barese, yeah. Um, uh, unbelievable. Costa Carter was a favourite of mine as well. Um, but then if you're looking at that Juventus team, um, just that Juventus team that won um, the, the European Cup in 1996, um, Vioca and Torricelli, and uh, we're actually just naming Italian defenders now. But, sorry, you're going to ask One more captain as well, um, which I'm sure will go down just as well as, as my ranges into you. Graham Sunas. So Graham Sunas was quintessential in in terms of the Liverpool captain as well in the mid eighties. Scotland captain as well, but there, there's there's actually a really lovely story. I can't remember where I heard it. Was like Chuck Steen was a big fan of Sunas, and he remarked to I think he talked to Sunas. He was watching Sunas play, and what he would Sunas would do during a game if he saw that a right back or a left back or somebody was having a bad game, what he would do he would every time that right back had or full back had the ball. He would go and give him the easy option four or five times. And just go and give him a give him a, give him a going as well. And I think Jocksteen had a conversation with him. I saw you doing that. And Sunes was flabbergasted because he, he didn't realize anybody actually seen that. But I think Jocksteen was probably the only person who'd seen him doing that on the field. So that kind of tells you that kind of captain in terms of them, the, kind of the hidden work they do. Yeah. Not the showy stuff, but they're saying, okay, this guy is struggling on the pitch. I'm the captain. It's my responsibility to go go give him the easy option three, four times, get him in the game and get going, rather than just going and shouting at him. Um, I, I mean, I talking about Liverpool, I, w- I was never. I mean, Steven Gerrard has a great, great reputation, and he was a great player. I never really liked him as a captain because he seemed to not really have that quiet confidence. He was all bluster and he was all full hundred percent as well. Um, I think Scott Brown is just the right balance of that. But yeah, no, Graham Sunes as well was. You know, so far you've mentioned the point. England captain and the Rangers <laughs> captain. Yeah. Whereas we've done Celtic guys. This is just trying to get um, you know secure a place after Brexit. So I just need to show my my union deck colours. That's fair so. enough. Uh, it's, it's funny. I know we're, we're kind of we'll wrap this chat up in a second, but you know you mentioned we've discussed you know. Italy and Serie A were there was always centre halves at, uh, mainly at the back in the early nineties. But obviously, you still had your Roberto Baggio's, you still had your uh, Mancini's, um, Del Piero, Del Piero, Del Piero, yeah, of course, um, Totti, Totti, and fit Zidane. Um, but you know what? Where do you like your your centre half to be? Um, sorry, you, you like your centre half to be centre half. Where do you like your captain to be? About and I think I've given away the answer already. Well. Centre half's good, but central midfield as well, because um, then you've got good control of the the field. You you can link up with the defenders and the uh, and the forwards. Um, keepers are madness. That's just what they got. They, they can't all captains shout loudly. Oliver can shout, mate. <laughs> Almost as bad as Graham Souness, who was awful. But Pat Bonner was better than all of them, mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. including Graham Souness. Yeah. 
um, in defence as well, Pat Bonner, just, <laughs> just original superkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, another favourite mine just is Mario Basler, um, but he was an absolute mentalist and he would uh, turn up and play drunk and all that. Still be better than most of the players on the team, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it's, Mikhail Lustig, um, done the captain's bit. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't particularly like it, so he just he gives it away. Uh, doesn't need it. Casual, like casual. Being a captain isn't cool anymore. That's the other point. I, I think okay, maybe a generalisation, but I think that in Britain in general there has been an overemphasis on the captain on the pitch. So it, in a sense, it's always like <laughs> you can stop thinking for yourself because the captain does it. I think countries like Germany and the Netherlands, the role of the captain is maybe not that important because they're all, in a sense, take more collective responsibilities and they think through games when they're more tactically aware. Those kind of things. So I think the role of the captain on the pitch is probably too emphasised still in Britain. It's getting less and less, and I don't think it shouldn't really matter on the pitch who's your captain and where he where he plays. Do you think it's because um, you were mentioning about the fact that earlier that he's your, your captain is basically you know almost the manager's representative? You didn't say that exactly, but you kind of missed out. Yeah, yeah, um, hinted at that. Uh, but as the game becomes more complicated. Do you think that's why the captain plays less of that role? Because back in the day, it might have been, you know, it's a four-four-two, yeah. whereas now the f- huge volume and, and fluid yeah, and different I, positions are doing. Different I think things. so. I think a game these days are so much faster. It's so much mentally exhausting, and it's probably, you know, a, a lot of not complicated, but it is. You are required to think more. So I think just just. Some, of having time on being a captain. I think someone like Scott Brown has come back to a second nature. You can do both. But I do think that you don't want, you want everybody on that pitch to have a sense of leadership and a sense of, you know, looking out for each other and, and not having, as, I, as you say, about not have the time to be a leader on the pitch. You have to have to concentrate on your own role as well. Yeah, that's true. And I think sometimes there are good examples of, I use Liverpool because they're my team, but, but Sammy Hippia, when he was made captain of Liverpool, he, his, his play suffered because I think he just took... He was too focused on that. It was almost too much for him. So that kind of hampered his game. And when he's... I think Steven Gerrard took over um, quite early on and he had a two, three, four years where he just flourished again, especially yeah. like the, the run to the Champions League in, in 2005. So for some people, it just becomes too heavy. Um, other people thrive on it, but I think for, for some people just want to concentrate on their own game. Yeah, that's true. I can understand that. Um, just as we're finishing up, um, a very underrated captain who wasn't, you know, popular in terms of you know worldwide or you know television rent. But um, Dave Mackay, St. Johnson. Now he retired last year. Played, I don't know, maybe a decade for St. Johnson. Terrific. Always there, consistent right back. Always very good. Um, and yeah, there's guys like that who you might not always notice, but who are just consistently there, doing their thing, playing really well, and uh, yeah, not good enough in a national cap, but good, you know, solid and within their position. And it's to those guys we tip doth our hat. <laughs> That's very Alan Partridge. Wow. <laughs> but no, so not the if, first time. Yeah. Um, so if you want to, um, if you want to tweet us your um, your favorite captains, your favorite positions for captains. Um, yeah, let us know at 90 Minute Cynic um, and uh, yeah, be interested. We'll retweet you and we can hopefully start a debate or something. Claudio Ranieri about before we get to Celtic because we're going to fo- start focusing on Celtic. But um, Claudio Ranieri, what are your kind of thoughts on it? 
It's an absolute shambles. It's a disgrace. Um, I just no. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. What, 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 Jesus, Leicester won the English Premier League or the English Premiership last season. This English Premier League, you got it right first yeah, time. Whatever. I don't get it. It's a, a Diddy League, but <laughs> Leicester won it. Ten Cup League. Absolutely mental. See if they were going to get relegated this season. Fine. Ranieri's earned that. He can do that. He can he can relegate them next season as well if he wants. Why would doesn't he, matter? You're making it look like he wants to relegate yeah. them. Well, maybe he does now. But it's <laughs> just an utter disgrace. Absolute shambles. Would you blame the players? Would you blame the management? You know, I blame everybody. <laughs> Specifically the fans. Yes. Fans, no. Players, no. Club, dead wrong. Uh, definitive from Mr. Chris Bowd. Um, Christian, thoughts? I mean, it is crazy, but in in the context. Oh, but. But in the yeah. context of how short term and hyped up and crazy the English Premier League or something. Leicester. No, but Leicester. I, mean, I fully agree. With you, like, qualified for the last sixteen of the Champions Ranieri. League this season. They're still in the lap. They've still got a chance of going through to the quarterfinals. Yeah. Second round area is just the. the most clear example of how idiotic that league actually is but within the context of that crazy little bubble that's what you know that's what the you know what is expected of owners now owners seems to be going if you have a five to six games losing if there seems to be any remotely chance of maybe going down and losing all that tv money it seems to be the accepted thing that's then you just sack the manager and that's the symptom of how much short-termism there is because <laughs> it just seems that because there's so much money going around you can kind of just in the Premier League is, is, is a league where you control money and stuff because there's so much money going around so even though you change and chop your manager even six seven months because you can buy fairly good players you kind of get along and it's, it's so within that really crazy bubble yeah you know he's you know less to those want to go down and none of the owners in the whole of Premier League seem to have except maybe for the old club seems to be willing to let a manager try and figure stuff out for more than five to six games um so, so in the context of that it makes you know it's not surprising i mean it, it's it's a, the perfect example of how crazy it is or how how much money is just floating around and and the way that league is operated more is just entertainment than any sort of proper business sense but it's just yeah. disgusting yeah. the stadium should be named after him I don't know if he has dogs but if he does there should be statues <laughs> of the dogs outside the stadium Chris Bowd's quite uh, passionate about this point I oh. well I mean to be honest this podcast we've already talked about Billy McNeil being a, obviously he was a manager at Reunion now we're going to do our verses later on which we're bringing back is going to be Rogers versus Klopp so we'll look at in terms of, you know, you just made a lot of good points about the English Premier League and about how it's very quick to, you know, the fear of losing that money will lead to instant decisions. Uh, but I, the thing that I think sad is that no one was really surprised when it happened. That's the thing that I kind of felt, you know, a lot of people turn around and say, oh, football's dead and it's the worst thing in, to happen. And as Chris says, you know, um, Ranieri basically did a miracle. It's almost, I mean, the Premier League is almost the death of coaching. So <laughs> to, to coach players, to develop them, you need time. You need to have the same ideas over and over again, the same repetition and over and over again. You need to go through peak and troughs. But in the Premier League now, 
just doesn't happen. There, there's actually there's there's a few exceptions like. Patuccino is one of them, you know, finger. But Patuccino has spent a ridiculous yeah, amount of money, though. Even though they spend, but they have a clear idea. But so many of those teams, maybe below, I think you have a, a collective of really good managers at the top who has their own style to try to implement. But below that, it's just scattergun. It's just people are throwing different managers coming in, totally different styles, put him in, get some players in. Like there's this, the concept of coaching is just going out the window. And that's why a team like Leicester, if they have a really good season. They have a really clear system, um, and they have obviously had a really good coach. They can actually achieve a, se- a season of success because the, there is just no organization or any sort of clear ideas for any of the teams. It's, it's really scattergun. That's the thing as well. When they signed Ranieri, they were punching well above their weight. He it was a that was a kind of. Celtic getting Rodgers we, nobody expected Celtic to get uh, I disagree with you I've got to remember he took Greece Ach, as <laughs> is that your argument is yep. that your defence have you looked at they, Greece recently he lost to the Faroe Islands home and away have you seen the credit rating these are all excellent yep. points but the point is no that's the thing with Ranieri though he, he seemed to he's a guy who will do tremendously well he's an in Italian football certainly he's an almost you know you know almost did well with Roma you know when he was at Chelsea he almost did well it's not Chelsea he did well he just he just on the on the cusp of he, your he man he was your, he, he, he would have went on and won a league but you, Jose Mourinho at that time um, obviously the just the yeah, you, 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 this guy comes in and he wants the best for his club. Um, another good example would probably be Alex Neil. Um, Alec, Norwich went on a run of, I think they lost maybe, they didn't win in 10 games and everyone was calling for his head and then he went on a, he went on a terrific run and they went from being 18th and 19th and they're now 8th, they're 5 points off um, the, the playoff place. And that's what you're talking about, Christian, about time and time to develop and time to just manage. Yeah. Um, and Alex Ferguson's the... Example, you can exactly Ferguson and the modern day. Do you Ferguson? Ferguson in modern days wouldn't have lasted, um, and that's and and you know this leads back to to Celtic in a lot of ways because the more these jobs come up, the more Brendan Rodgers is going to be linked with them, and if Brendan Rodgers is a smart man, which he clearly is, he'll take his experience at Liverpool and he'll look at someone like Ranieri and he'll look at some some certain managers within the, the, the league that have been sacked very, very quickly and think to himself, do you know what, I'll maybe go another couple of years here. So Ranieri being sacked is actually going to ha- make us have uh, Rodgers wrong. What do you think of it now, Bud? Great decision. Fantastic. Well done. Yeah, um, awesome guys. No, I think you're right. And I think as well as Rodgers wanting to be here, I think he's smart enough to know, you know what, if I continue with Celtic for three, four, five years, um, get two nine in a row, or nine enough, or ten in a row, and progress in Europe, he's going to go on to a bigger job than if he if he leaves this season. People will look and think Brendan's done really well at Celtic, but if he gets us to last sixteen quarterfinals of the Champions League. Bigger jobs will come up as well. I mean, he's mentioned his... his and Well, we're talking about Ren Rodgers, but we can actually talk about him in more detail coming up. But just kind of final thoughts on Ranieri, just sums them up, sums as in them, I mean, English football at the moment. Don't say them. <laughs> no, I'm talking about a competition. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I, I think it, it just shows how the mindset it's... I mean, that kind of mindset is trial football, but I think it's really... 
exaggerated in England. And that's, you know, and, and it's not, the fans are not blameless in this, in terms of how quickly they judge managers. The players are used to, you know, to get this, this they have so much power now as well in terms of if they want a manager gone, he's gone. And and let's not, let's be clear about this. The people who own football clubs, they have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of, seems to many of them don't have any footballing sense um how to run a, a football club any sort of concept of what makes a, a team develop and those kind of things it just the players are billionaires as millionaires that are quite spoiled and want their things their way. the owners are, are billionaires who, who want things a certain way so you know it just shows that bubble how, how crazy it is and this is you know the best example so far how you know how mad it is so yeah. communism is the answer is definitely about to, okay. to most things true this seems like a sermani conversation on the whatsapp i'll just talk about father john misty and fun stuff um just kind of finally you, you mentioned the fans i was looking at sky sports as it was being you know described that um you know ranieri had been sacked and it was showing from the, the one of the leicester games um just a couple of weeks ago when Leicester lost and it was fans saying, okay, look, look, we know he did well last season, but he needs to go because we're not playing well this season. And it's just, he won the league about. The league. Leicester. <laughs> it does help. You're, if, if you're a football fan, if, if you're a you know, <laughs> football media or an owner, a good thing to to have is is memory that is, is you know longer than a, a goldfish you know that because that's that seems to be the thing it's just so short termism is so bang bang it's just it's it, if somebody actually comes in and, and have patience with a coach and lets him build something over several years like we're not going to get onto Cafu for example you know you can there's so much potential to actually create something and, and actually achieve something in that mad environment. And that's why Mark Warburton needs to be reinstated. Correct. Well, you know, we don't know. But, I mean, it's funny, right, the, the whole Warburton thing, but who are they going to get that is better than Warburton? We'll get to that. We'll get who, to that. who has... Because, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it, but he had a pretty clear plan. He wasn't really achieving it at the moment, but that's why he's acting so hilarious, just the way it happened. But also, the, the who are you going to bring in? Barry Ferguson. Um, uh, Celtic 2-0, uh, winners at the weekend. We are playing Inverness, well, 2-0 against Hampton. We're playing Inverness tomorrow uh, or today, yeah. tomorrow, on Wednesday. This is dropping on Wednesday morning. Oh, actually, it's dropping tonight, Tuesday, but, you know. So we, we can, we're not going to talk in as much detail about Inverness, but we'll go into detail in the next podcast. Uh, Boud, just the Celtic-Hamilton game, kind of thoughts on it? Standard win, standard win. Uh, could have been more, but uh, we were never really tra- troubled. They had a, a chance early on, and then I think Gordon's first save was in uh, added time at the end, and it was a good save. But uh, aye, there was a few. I mean, a few points. Uh, Can I just interrupt you there for a second? We are actually getting news that Hamilton are actually beating Aberdeen currently. What? Thirty-three minutes. The- Thirty-three is your man, the Norwegian <laughs> Irish guy. Yep, <laughs> just wow. said. Uh, so yeah, bout. Um, yeah, uh, Forrest obviously injured. Uh, was it a bad on. tackle? Was it a good tackle? Was it a bad tackle that led to? I don't know what. <laughs> no, was it a good tackle or was it a bad tackle? I, I need to watch it again, but I think it was a good ta- tackle that caught him very badly. That's how I would put it. Considering some of the tackles that went in against us over the last um, few weeks, it, it compares um, better than than those, but. 
Um, it's somebody and we had a Twitter question. I can't. Sorry, yeah, no, I'll, I'll get that. I'll get that Twitter question. No, I'm thinking back the way. I don't know if we've got another one, but we had somebody saying this: the Celtic and their players like Sinclair need protection because people are going in far too well on them. Um, and I, that guy was absolutely right. Whoever he was. <laughs> uh, so I, it's a he caught him badly. Other highlights, obviously, Sinclair's goal was just. Absolutely phenomenal. You mean uh, Dembele? Dembele's Jesus, goal. You are having a mare. Mate. Uh, it's a what is going on? Mare. Um, no, but Mrs. Goal. Oh, it was t- tremendous, unbelievable. Really showed again Dembele out of nothing. This his drag back, his touch to get into space, and then that just that finish. Uh, how, I don't know how he actually almost from a standing position just kind of bends it round. The guy is just. He's I've just never seen such raw power and talent and and I just I just love watching him. Just absolutely phenomenal. Pleasure to watch. Pleasure to watch. Um, what did you think of um? So, and I'm going to ask you this question, Bowd, and I want Christian's thoughts on this as well. Um, Roger said after the match that Sviachenko Sviachenko started obviously with um, Boyata, but he said after the match that Sviachenko wasn't originally supposed to start. That Sviachenko would be on the bench. Sviachenko, I thought, had a really, really good game, which shows that he's obviously training hard, he's determined, he's keeping his mind in it. But is it how how do you feel that he uh, Rogers is you know squad rotation for that specific position? How do you think he's dealing with it? You know, it's working. Um, I'm I'm very much somebody that believes really you get your centre back pairing and you keep it together as long as you can, as long as they're not you know as long as they're doing the job, but. Um, he's been rotating between the three and... Well, Boyata's played every game since he came in. Yeah. Um, so it's really the two. Well, but then before that, Boyata wasn't playing. So, <laughs> uh, Calm down. But it, it's it's working well. And you'd be if you told me at the start of the season that Boyata would become the mainstay of the defence and it was Jozo and Eric that were switching in now, I would slap you in the face and tell you to shut up. Quite aggressive. Thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting because I did, as Bowd says, I didn't expect. I thought this was. I, mean, I think I, we actually talked about it when I was on the last podcast about Joso and Eric would be now their partnership, and they were going to be drilled uh, for the Champions League qualifiers Champions League coming. So, so that's kind of what I'm. I'm wondering what Rogers's plan is in terms because he obviously must have an idea of who who he. He's been in long enough to say, okay, I rate this guy, I rate that guy. Um, You'd imagine it would be Boyata, though, right? Well, uh, yeah, Boyata is an interesting one, and I, I think he obviously he sees something in Boyata he likes, but I also think he, he really wanted to be. I think he was playing a long game there, and he really wanted. He saw somebody who's worked her socks off for six months when they weren't in the team, and the message that sends to put him in because of the work he's done, yeah, is, is probably something you know in terms of that's a really strong signal to send to the rest of the squad to say, look, even if you're, you know, Boyata so far out. Hey, if you put the hours in, suddenly you're a star. So, and that's like, I think he maybe at first I thought that was quite a clear plan, um, which it might have been as well. But now, he, as you say, he's, he's playing every game, so he's at least yeah. giving him a long run in the team. So, but you would imagine that at, at some point, if he's unless he's got somebody in mind to bring in the summer, like your two centre half that's going to go through the Champions League will be two of Eric Yoso. And, and and Boyata so you, you think at some point he'd go okay it's, it's important that those two actually plays together now get all you know the relations together build up that understanding more and more so I'll be interested if, if he keeps rotating that position throughout the year 
because I mean all the league games are done you know it's won so you can kind of do what you want um, then you have like the last probably three cup games that actually you know actually matters in terms of trophy so it'll be interesting to see what he does yeah and I think if you look at you know as we said Boyat has played every game since he keeps in the turn of the year um, Eric seems to be the one I think who's to me it looks like it's going to be Yozo and Boyata in terms of for the rest of the season, being his first choice. Now, Jozo not being available again through, you know, a niggle isn't helping his case of keeping him long-term. Just not, not not keeping him long-term, being in the team long-term, because, you know, if these niggles keep happening and he's not maybe getting over this, this injury as is, is, is the way they'd hoped, then you've got to wonder what his long-term future is. And if that bid comes in from, from Torino again, you know, are you knocking it back? I don't think I am. I'm... I think Yuzo could be a really top centre back, but Flats the deceive for me a lot of the time. I think he's a good player, but he is. But he's he's also I mean he's young as well, um, I, and I, there's there's I do, growth I there. I do think Rogers rate him as you say. Yeah. He is the youngest one. He's probably off to the street. Probably the one with the most potential just because yeah. of his age. But also his but, his build, his physique, and, and everything. So I, I and he obviously keeps giving him starts as well. So. Yeah, but if if they do come in with the kind of money we spent on them, so whether it's four million or whatever, um, for a player who seems to have glass legs, um, I I I think you probably have to take the money and try to bring somebody else in. It's but yeah, I'd like to see him succeed, but yeah, we'll see. But as you see, he's got a knot. He's doubtful for. Cali just now because he's got another knock. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like um, people are saying, well, you know, Boyata. You know, we still don't know. We've played enough games now to know that Boyata looks comfortable. Um, again, we can't can't quantify it in terms of European sort of experience, but he looks comfortable. At worst, he would be uh, probably your third centre half anyway. Um, if he's happy to actually, you know, you know, sit on the sidelines when Eric, if it was an Eric and Jozo pairing. Um, but again, it's just Rogers finding, giving someone an opportunity to, as you say, Christian, get get their way back in, which is something that happens consistently with. I know, uh, not my big, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but Cal McGregor, Cal McGregor always seems ready to go when he's when he's called upon, um, and I guess that, in, in a lot of ways, that's there's a lot of squad harmony there, which is created by the manager, which is really really tough to do. Um, but he's got everyone playing for each other, and it's something that you know. And that's something you can't quantify in terms of money either. And different players have had, have got those different spells throughout the season. So you said McGregor there had a, had a spell. Oh, so Armstrong's come in. Liam Henderson has a lot more games. I think he's probably got more Celtic games this season. He than went, he's ever yeah, had. Went, we went four games, four games yeah. in a row. Even on the fullbacks, you know, Gamboa has you know played quite a few games um, because that gives you know the, the tactical flexibility of being three in the back. Issy's were a bit more because KT was injured. But even, you know, Forrest and Roberts have, have gone in and out themselves. So, I, yeah, I think you've got probably a good 17, 18, 19 players there. It's got quite a good of, of time uh, on the pitch. And if you think about how Rodgers has said he wants to score, he wants it quite small as a core and then supplemented with, with youngsters coming through. So he's almost giving his core call it a playing time. Yeah. But for someone like Rodgers who isn't afraid to changes tactics as well you want a decent squad that's getting getting game time because um, you're not going to use the same 11 or 12 uh, people with two three four different formations or 
probably ideally you're not going to do that. Um, aye. Just think about, sorry, just no, before you go, you go on, Armstrong, what about that miss? Uh, it, it, there was something in his eye. Oh, that's a shame. So that it wasn't. I mean, the the, the, the ex- expected goals uh, ratio on that one was sky high. I'm telling you that. I don't want to talk about um, expected goals. That's because um, I'll get into. I'll get shouted that again. Um, question from Stephen Hughes. Evening, gents. We've had at least one of our best players out injured for months um, now, which is true. Um, if you look at uh, Sinclair, if you look at um, Armstrong, the Bailey was out for a bit. Griffiths even. Um, with everyone fit, what's your best eleven? Um, we'd all imagine Dembele up front. Ah, it's got to be Dembele. Um, I think. It, what, what formation are you playing? Three at the back, four at the back. Um, three at the back. Three at the back. <laughs> what? Three at the back. Um, uh, no. What would you play? I I think I would play. Um, I honestly think I you play a version of the three at the back. Um. How Lusty and KT start, but Lustig is probably, um, you know, can at least when they uh, attack, go into a tree and then push KT up and, and somewhere. And I would have, you know, Sinclair uh, on the other side. So I, I, I think that is the team. I, I think it's Dembele, it's, it's Sinclair. Um, Brown. Yeah, Brown. Probably Rodrick and Armstrong. Um, I think the team has been the best. Um, you know, the Brown, Roger Armstrong, uh, midfield three. Um, for me, if, if you do play a flat four, um, I would have KT. Lustig. To, to me, to, to me, it's still Eric and, and Joshua I would play, and then Lustig. And then I would have Armstrong, Brown, Roger. I would have Paddy Roberts, and <gasps> Scott Sinclair, and, and Dembele. And if we were playing in Europe, that's the team I would have. Considering Roberts might not be here, who would you would you just have to replace him with Forrest, or would you be looking to get someone in to challenge Forrest at least? At, at least, I think I wouldn't say he's a total flat track bully for us, but I still haven't seen him having a really good game against a really good opponent. Okay, in some some games in Scottish League yeah, against good opposition, yes. I, I I'm I'm still have my doubts about. Playing for us as a first choice in Europe, if you really want to do something in Europe, I think you at least need somebody else who's got a different kind of skill set than him. Would you need to add someone to the level of Paddy Roberts? Yeah, of Sinclair. Yeah, I mean, but Sinclair is a unique player in terms of the circumstances that that took him to Celtic. You know, a player of his quality wouldn't usually go to Celtic at that part of his career if he was if he wasn't in the slump he was in. Yeah, you know, you know that's not because you know it's it's a step down or something, because he could earn more money elsewhere. You look at the clubs he's been. So I think you'd be very lucky to get a, a sort of player like Sinclair at that stage of his career, where it's, it's basically at his peak. You know, the next two years will be his peak, and, and Celtic has got him. And I think he'll stay for one or two years. Yeah, but I think you probably need to bring somebody else's in. Uh, you're probably looking at maybe somebody who's just not a, a bit more raw. And uh, then Sinclair. Um, About just um, your, your kind of formation, quickly looking at it, what would it be? I mean, Dembele up front, would you go two up front? Would you go one up front? Be one up front. Okay. So it'd be, let's start at the back. Uh, De Vries, obviously. <laughs> uh, oh, so Malcolm McKay. Yep. Uh, Gordon, Katie, Lustig. Although Gambo has impressed me when he's had had the chance, but that's for nice, the moment. That's, good, that's nice to say that. Um, 
fully fit, it probably is Yozone Eric for me. Although, again, well done to Boyata, he's looked... <laughs> a wee pat in the head there, like uh-huh. I said, a wee man, good uh-huh. for you. Especially after some of the stinkers that he had. Um, midfield, obviously it's got to be Sink. Um, sink? The Sink, the Sinker, El Sinkerino. Oh, they hate us when we do that. Sinkington Steel. Um, probably the toughest choice is right wing. Um, I think... At their best, Paddy Roberts is the better player, but this season, yeah, Forrest has done pretty well. Um, so I would say Forrest for 60 minutes with Paddy Roberts coming on for 30. Uh, Brown and Armstrong, Rogic and Mbelli. Good. Um, probably I'd go with the same team, I think. Um, I think that's probably our best team. Aye, I would say so. Uh, you start in Forest. I would start. No, I'd probably start Roberts. Um, I think Forest has been fantastic the last couple of games. Until he got injured, he actually really had a really great vein of form. See the last eighty minutes of uh, the weekend. There, he was shite. <laughs> <laughs> no influence on the game whatsoever. I mean, he was off. Is the joke. Uh, the boy Moz, Derek, says, another good showing by Gamboa. After a shaky start, he's looking like another really good bit of business by Brendan. Would we see Lustig, um, Lustig's experience in his positioning compared to a lot of players in the team, I think is exceptional. Um, I think his, his passing, his cross-field passings at times is, is brilliant as well. I would have him in my team every single week. I know a lot of people don't like Lustig for whatever reason. Um, Gamboa has looked good. Champions League, Lustig every day of the week. Thoughts? Yes. Thoughts? Yeah, but I'm um, you know Gamboa's Gamboa's played well. I've, I've been very has. impressed with him, and I, I've um, liked him. And we know with Lustig, uh, I mean he's got flexibility, Bowdy. Lustig's got a few years left in him, but at right back, there's going to get come to a point in the next season or two where does he have the legs to to play that role? Ah, he does. Ah, good point. So. Answered. <laughs> Done. <laughs> no problem. Um, okay, so just on the Celtic front, uh, Ibui, um has played, I think, four under-20s games. The last game specifically, he was uh, very influential, but you imagine he would be with his how well he's played previously. How would you fit him in? Would you ease him in, or would you just give him a run of games, or would you give him some subs appearances? I, I, I would make him captain straight away. And that's and why he... Is straight in. Just start him early. And that's why Norwegians <laughs> make such good football managers. <laughs> Eb Skovdal. I know he was Danish, wasn't he? Anyway, I know. You point and we know you <laughs> we know who we know who he is. God. Sorry. Okay. Um Okay. <laughs> what you said really. Um I'd I'd like to see him soon. You know, sign a new player. It's all it's all cool and that, exciting and that. Uh, I'm just chilling my in a Louis there. Um, so you want to see him play? That was your analogy, Jesus. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, but you also do wonder. I mean, I wouldn't have come a point when the league is won, which, looking by the results tonight, probably be a couple of games after this, so mid March. Um, how much Rogers is then going to uh, rotate even more, or if if that's the point where I say, yeah, look, got, he's been in, you know, in Scotland a couple of months now, maybe got him up to the level he wants. You know uh, so how he wants to play, and then maybe 
ease them in then after the league is won, uh, after the the game next weekend. Um, so I, I think that's you, you'd like to see him get a few minutes because uh, there. I mean, there's not as we call that that core players is is playing now, and then everybody who's kind of on the fringes, like Ayer and O'Connell um, and a couple of the other guys. Um, you know they're, they're on loan. You know they're getting the game, so there's not actually not that many. Who else are you going to give some playing time other than the Brew uh, at the moment? So I, I think you, you would you think we will see him come maybe from the end of March. About uh, you know a, a buoy, um central midfielder or just a midfield, would that maybe if he comes in and he does well, would that maybe be the sign that no what carry on. One of Henderson or McGregor might either want to move on of their own accord or be told that they're maybe not. It's uh, yeah, prob- probably does signal that. Because um, and, and what? I, yeah, sorry. Well, I was just going to say it, it pains me to say it, um, and we'll have several more years of Scott Brown as captain at Celtic. But again, over the next few years, is Scott going to have to start playing? Scott, is Scott now. <laughs> Yeah, Scott, uh, playing a few less games, you know, um, 60, 70 games a season's probably going to be beyond them in one or two years. Just a casual 30 or 40 for the next... <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, th- they, if they're thinking long-term, they could think like that, but I, I think ultimately one or possibly both of them might need to start thinking about. Yeah, and I think that you make a good point with Scott Brown because you'd imagine when the league is won um, that maybe Brown would be maybe rested and that would give an opportunity to your McGregor's, Henderson's, um, uh, Ibuis to be brought in and maybe to see how the team ticks when Brown's not there because he's one of the only guys that ha- he's been a constant this season and so to take him out of it for an extended run, we'll see what these guys are made of. Yeah, As, as we talked about before, I would use those last 10 games when the league is won. You know, your focus now then is the Champions League. You know, this is in a way this is preseason for Champions League. Once the league is won, obviously the cup games aside, you're virtually in preseason. That pre that those games are going to come really, really fast. So you need to kind of do a lot of that work now. I think. Okay, so, you might be bringing one or two players in in the summer, but this is you know this is starting now. So, the, but there's a balance there. You you want to bring in young players um, and squad players that maybe aren't getting a lot of game time, but at the same same time. A, we'll hopefully have a cup final to play in, so you don't want to rock the boat too much in that you can't just drop your first 11 for 10 games and then bring them in for the final. Um, and when you say getting ready for the Champions League, well, again, you know you wouldn't want to swap out your two centre-backs and not play them for those 10 games or five yeah, yeah. games or whatever. You, again, you've got to get the team ticking and ready for those Champions League games. Agreed. So. Um, James and Jules, he actually tweets in to say, I would like to see Kasui... Uh, Kouassi, sorry, Kouassi, um play soon um, in the Champions League. I'm um, sorry, play soon so that he's ready for the Champions League qualifiers as they're getting closer, um, which is a, a kind of the point we, we, we've made overall. We're going to get to the old uh, Rogers versus Klopp, but just finishing up on some of these questions. Um, Michael at Mickey BM, should we push the boat out to keep Patrick Roberts? Because you have to define pushing the boat at. I think as... Would you pay eight million for him? I would. Because then you, you tie him into a long contract. I think he's only going to get better. I think if you if you pay eight million for him now, 
it's a pretty secure investment that you'll get that back at some point, I think. And I think in terms of will he get somebody with his potential um, and the age he's coming into now for for less than eight million? Yeah. Of course, you might go out and find uh, buy uh, you know somebody who's, who's cheaper and and just as good, but that's a big risk. You, you know what you have with Paddy Roberts. He's been here. He always likes to play there. Um, so yeah, if if the choice was eight million, uh, I, I would go for that. Um, and I think the club has, you know, they do spend eight to ten million. You know, I don't think they'll be far off pay, Spain spending that anyway. The question is obviously, does the manager prioritize somebody else? than a winger for 8 million if you can bring somebody in maybe central midfield for 8 million um, maybe even a centre half like a really good centre half for that money uh, you know it depends how much money he has um, but as, as we, as we kind of you know 6 to 8 million will except for maybe the top 3, 4, 5 leagues in all the other leagues in Europe 6 to 8 million will probably get you the best player in that league it's especially in certain positions like defensive midfields or stuff like that. It's, it's, if you're a bit clever about it, you can get a really, really good player for six to eight million. Push the boy out. I love him. He's a good boy. Um, <laughs> Is Dag an MBE today? Not so good. Uh, six million, yep, I'm down for that. Eight million, I'm chewing it over. He's the, the fact that right now, Forrest is probably slightly ahead of him. But as I you think know, that's, is, that's down to circumstances, though, to, isn't to it? To a degree, but he's he's not shown this season as I would have hoped he has. However, we know he's quality. I mean, he's absolute class. Uh, and as Christian says, he is only going to get better. So, you know, I, I probably would. Um, and I think we do, when you're talking about where we need to spend, I would like another centre-back. I think we need either another right winger or to get... Um, uh, Roberts, because right now we've got Forrest Roberts, which I'm happy with, but we need for losing Roberts, we need somebody else in um, and we need another left winger and a backup striker So Christie's getting off future, you don't think? <sighs> we'll see <laughs> we'll see. That's, we'll see. That's yet to be determined. Um, so Celtic are playing uh, Inverness, and a lot of people will. The game will be over by the time we listen to this, but we're not going to actually. We'll cover that next week and kind of what happened, the fallout from that game and from the game of the weekend. But 25th of February, just there, Celtic played uh, Hamilton. Uh, we 2 0 victory. Aberdeen um, overcame Ross County. Dundee absolutely romped Motherwell 5 1. They were five one up at half time. Yes, Mister McGee's gone. Mister McGee's gone. I can confirm. Yep, Mister yeah, McGee. It's a shock to everybody. 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 Um, get that to fuck. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, and, and Kelly losing to St Johnston. Sorry, beating St Johnston along with oh, Partick Thistle beating Hearts doesn't means that the Rangers defeat to Inverness doesn't really affect their position. Although it does obviously allow Aberdeen to push forward, but you would imagine that Aberdeen would just, with the sort of shambles that's gone on, Ibrooks, you'd imagine that Aberdeen would just kind of push forward now, right, Christian? I think they're too far ahead already. Even if they would to lose today, um, Rangers, for example, has got two more games against Celtic. Aberdeen's got one. I think Aberdeen's just too far ahead. I don't think they're going to lose this now. No, um, Bowd Ian Cathro, um, he's a laptop manager. 
Uh, he loves stats. Um, he's a bit of a weirdo in the post-match press conference. He could be a cynic. Yeah, he probably is. Is, is what I would say. Secret cynic. Is he Doctor Football? Ninety minute hipster. <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, Ian Cathro, what are your kind of thoughts on how he's doing now? He's played ten games. He's won three games. He's drawn two and he's lost five. Um, but it's his first, and this is what we talked about the English Premier League. Um, that was off the top of my head. You thought I'd start, you thought I'd something on screen. I'm surprised you use stats. Well, that's actually, is that stats or is that just facts? Are you telling me? I don't know anymore. Uh, we're living in a stat world, and I false stats. False stats. Sad. Sad. So you know he's won three out of ten, um, but it's his first game. It's his first management. You yeah, know, he has played Celtic and such in those in those games. Yeah, it's you know Hearts fans would have hoped that his record after ten games would be better, but it's not enough time um, to say anything. And as you say, there's been some hard games in there, so. Um, Cafro really needs to the end of the season and then we can judge judge him and that we will <laughs> quite harshly I mean they brought in what was it 11 players in the, was it 9 nine or 11 players in, in pre-season um, sorry not pre-season in January, January. Um, and I heard when they lost the the, uh, the 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 cup game to Hibs I was listening to uh, the Sports Sound podcast the BBC podcast where Tom McManus said that they lost it because there's not enough British boys in there who know a, what it is to play in a derby. It's, it's, it's a bit like this podcast, I feel. It's, it's, a bit it's, it's a bit like this podcast when there's not enough non-British guests on. It just it just feels like, you know... <laughs> you, you, you have to actually finish what you're saying. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm looking for a guy. It's just your face. <laughs> it's just... No, it's, it's Christian doesn't know what the podcast game's all about. No, no he doesn't. He's, he's See when you get a scrap with twenty it's, minute it's Tim's. It's, it's, it's <laughs> not enough passion. We um, smash the twenty minute. We I will guess. smash the twenty minute Tim's. It's not a fucking problem. What you were coming about. soon. I battled. Boom. Hashtag anyway. Anyway, as you say, it's 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 way too early. I think Cafro is at the right club. I think that's a a club that has its its head screwed on the right way. Um, and I think that goes from the owner. I think Levina's the director of football. Um, can I just Cathro actually said that he wouldn't have taken the job if there was a, if there wasn't a director of football at the club and I think <laughs> we talk about this concept of director of football as, as, as it's something alien it's, it's only alien in the mind of certain you know areas of, of the football um, community in, in, in Britain and, and it, it's the standard um, it's the default position in, in most other countries for example in, Mo- in Norway we don't call them managers they're, they're, they're coaches they're, they're head coaches because that's funny the role they, they they should coach and develop the team, and that's their job. And and to do that, you need well, first of all you, you you do need time. And but I mean, Cafro is going to steep learning curve because he is young and he is coming. While well, his 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 background is from somebody outside that network of of usual ones, so 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 he's he's going to have a bit of extra exposure on him. Um, from you know certain sections of the media, but also the, uh, because he's, he's that young, he's something new. So obviously, everything is 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 extra bit focus on him. But I think I was, you know, in terms of the game, Hearts uh, had at, at Celtic Park the last one. Well, they lost four 0 I think for about seventy five eighty minutes of that, you could see that there was a clear plan in, in his in his style. I mean, I think they caused Celtic. A lot of issues, and as Samani said on the pod afterwards, it was almost like he was playing. He's trying to implement something that the hard players 
were not good enough to do yet. But there was a clear plan of what he was trying to do. And I think with their their pressing and, and the way they were organized defensively, they were actually really good. Um, I think we're bringing in so many players in. Um, with him still learning the roles, you know, the ropes of management and, and actually being in, in the spotlight, that'll take some time. But, you know, he's he's obviously a, a guy who's been highly spoken of of people who's gone to training courses with him. <laughs> One or two examples. <laughs> people you actually want to listen to weird, in terms of coaches. He's a weirdo. I mean, he pure doesn't go for a baby and all that. All right. Shut but up. He's, he's, go eat I mean, Kelly Pie, you fucking asshole. He's been at Sorry. some of the top... He's been at top clubs. He's, he's, been, he's been coaching for years. He's been coaching some of the best, you know, managers in, in the world. He's a number two at Valencia. Exactly. So, but it's gonna. I mean, it's it's gonna go up and down for me. It's gonna need time to find his feet. But as Bell said, well, I, I, you'd give him this. You'd give him the next season as well, because I think he's. As I said, coaching is about repetition. It's about developing. It's gonna take time. But I think he's he's definitely at the right club. And you know, if if he can just uh, keep his head cool in terms of you know he's gonna a few more games, he'll. You know, people the press will try and question him at the press conference and, and, and try and get a bite, you know, bait of him. He's going to get criticized quicker and more than most other managers in, in the league. So, to me, to me it feels. I think it needs to keep a cool head and, and Hearts needs to keep a cool head and I think it'll come true for him. There's a couple of things that what I would say is firstly, um, Robbie Nielsen, I think, left because he knew there was going to be a downward curve with that team because I think he'd taken them as, as, you know, he's done as well as he could. Very inconsistent, Robbie Nielsen. People seem to be painting Robbie Nielsen as this consistently great manager. The fans didn't like him. Phenomenal jacket. Terrific jacket. Great hair. Loves a mid-90s Serie A Lips game. Lips in well. well, that's... Disappointing. Disappointing. I, I don't actually know what that means. Um, but, you know, Robbie Nielsen isn't a legacy that needs to be, you know, thinking... Look, take the Nielsen factor out of it. I think if you look at Cathro, Cathro's came into a club that they've backed them in terms of they've get, they've brought in some players. But bringing in nine players, obviously, it's going to take time for a turnaround. He's just unlucky in that he has no real experience at you know this level, and because the media are out to get him. They're, I mean, they're literally calling him... Uh, Barry, I listened to the sports sound and they were talking about Barry Ferguson says... He, his post-match press um, interview, um, he was very eloquent, he was very succinct, and he was talking about specifics of the game and where he wants to take the team. Barry Ferguson legitimately said... I mean, he was talking a lot of sense, but I get bored after about 30 seconds. I'm like, well, how's that his fault, you fucking idiot? Barry, in a position to judge manager, <laughs> managers, Ferguson. And that's, but, but, but that's the other point. Why is he not back? Why? He's like, I want him to do well. He's a good young manager. I want him to do well. But but don't be surprised if that's an attitude of a lot of players as well. Yeah. You know, because there isn't, as we kind of touched upon, there isn't as much of a culture of, I think, among players of, of thinking tactically, of thinking yourself through games, of, of having almost a management head on. That you would find in especially countries like like Germany and the Netherlands, where you know every player, player is a coach, and and they they like that thinking side of things, and they would like to have that more discussion. It's 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 not that British players are more simple, but there is a culture of not maybe appreciating or engaging with that kind of you know tactics and that. So it's it's a culture shift, and I think if Hearts keep their heads cool and say look let Catro stay in that team and if it's players that don't respond to him get them out what he has to be careful is he has to also be a little bit pragmatic but as, as in the Celtic he's trying to implement something that 
that team maybe isn't ready for they won't do it quickly and they might not have all the quality players they need to actually do it successfully yeah. it may be so it, it might have to be a little bit more pragmatic in the short term which is kind of one you rotate back to some of the dialogue conversations we had as well where was he maybe not either pragmatic enough or trying to do something too quickly or, or the other way but and, and I think that's a, that's an interesting point. You might be having uh, ideas above the squad's ability. Um, these ideas that you're trying to implement with players who just aren't good enough to, to implement the actual kind of I techniques. mean, so, so Manny said it on the pod, which is good because I was going to say the same thing if it was there. It, it was like watching a really shite Borussia Mönchengladbach because he tried to play the same way and they caused the kind of same problems for Celtic that they did in the Champions League game at Celtic Park. But because they're not as good as them, when they kind of did put Celtic under pressure um, and got the ball, they couldn't do anything offensively. And because they're not as good as Manchester Martian Gladbach, Celtic had still had the ability to get through their defence a few times. But it was kind of like watching a really bad version of Borussia Mönchengladbach. Who had an unbelievable game in the Europa League um, coming back from, was it 3-0 down? Um, to win 4-3 and just be absolutely phenomenal. Um, just on the kind of just rounding up, McGee away, do you think... Who knows? James McFadden might step step in as as being the assist. Just fudgy. caretaker. Aye, why not? You know, plenty of you know a bit fudgy. We were talking about him um, getting involved in the touchline. Quite yeah, a that's lot, right. You you were you were saying that. But Motherwell was another club where you look at them and you think, I mean, who's going to come in there and really advise? Motherwell would be smart to take on someone young and pragmatic. I'd, I'd like to see them go there. I mean, Mark McGee's been an embarrassment this season, and is it it, it shouldn't really be getting another. Uh, you know, premiership job in, in a long time. I, I, do, I honestly don't think he's got anything to contribute to the league. Uh, and he his didn't. Be- he didn't it, it, and his behaviour has been off the field has been ridiculous this season. Yeah, so, um, you know, see, with his, good you know, his, do you want to keep speaking over me? Well, ideally, I think that's probably a, a common feeling among the among the listeners as well. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well Come done. Up. Um, just with that, the idea of um, is there anything else you want to touch on with? Regards Scottish football or Celtic before we move on to the verses. Any other comments or points? In fact, no. you know what? We've got one or two questions. Um, I'll cut these quick fire. Sorry, we're just a question. We're up against it. Kieran Caw on the topic, to, uh, friend of the show, and um, I'm sure we'll have him on again soon. On the topic of poor tackles, um, would it subconsciously enter a referee's mind to let challenges go because we are so far ahead? Chris Bowd, thoughts? Uh, no, it's because they're all Masons. <laughs> <laughs> Hear it here first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've, possibly. Um, just in so much as, yeah, that's the, it's almost expected that we are so much better that all they can do is, you know, play tough against us or pack the living daylights out of our players. Um, Didn't sorry. you do the inverted commas thing? You know what? It's a podcast and it's an audio podcast, right? I'm doing it for you guys. Oh, thank you. But so you you think um, that there might be an overaged acceptance of it because Celtic are so be- much better? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think there's anything else sinister behind it? Or not honestly, do you? I think there'll be referees who are Rangers fans who will not want Celtic to win. Yeah, and whether that's a subconscious thing, um, you know, you've got your blue or green tinted glasses on when you're when you're doing things. Uh, I think to pretend that. People aren't human beings as, as daft, uh, and let's face it, more than half of the referees in Scotland won't want Celtic to do well. So, 
and more than half are robots as well. Is, is that what you're also what you're getting at? Same question to you, Christian. I think the problem with referees in Scotland is that overall they're not very good. I don't. I honestly, I think. Bell Norway, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Defending them all of a Pretty much accurate as well. <laughs> I think it's, um, and by good I mean being completely comfortable in your own skin in terms of riffing a game like you would any other game. I, I think it's maybe subconsciously, if you're a, a big club like Celtic, you almost, maybe subconsciously you think, if I don't give them too many f- fouls or you know easy red cards, it seems like I'm having a good game because you know i'm standing up to the pressure of the crowd yeah so i think it's whereas you know i think the pendulum in terms of referees has almost swung there whereas before you know there was so much easier to get the home team uh you know a big advantage it's almost swung the other way especially if you're a big club because referees don't want the accusation of against them of oh you know they gave it because it's you know it's right in front of the cup or it's you know it's uh, at old trafford now they kind of go almost like a subconscious badge of honor saying no i didn't give that penalty at celtic park I, I didn't give it there and that's a mark of i don't think oh you can ever trust the masons completely uh but it's probably just a mark of not being a very good referee because a, a good referee just calls it as to see it fair enough um alex alex mcd in 83 can kieran tell his mate jose to cheer up a bit he won a major domestic trophy imagine if celtic manager acted that way happy birthday alex um she was in glasgow for the celtic and hamilton game she had a good time by all accounts well hopefully hopefully she had somebody you know to show the time properly and well, you know, kieran, show her a good time kieran did in fact show the time. <laughs> um, had a hip time and it was awesome you were um, there as well i was there as, as well, a chaperone more than anything else. as a chaperone yeah, yeah. certainly um ryan clark saying a question last week um but we don't have enough time to go into it, so we'll definitely go into it next week, Ryan. Um, <laughs> Ryan actually is um, the supplement's Irish correspondent. He's an so Irish correspondent. He's, co- he's, uh, he's got an article out about... Um, and that's why I feel like... <laughs> something Irish I can't remember on top of my head. And that's why I feel I will like read it. Because, technically, because he's staff, I feel that we don't actually have to... He sent in another question. Yes, well-paid staff. Yeah. We Favourite pa- pancakes, crepes or stacks? Nutella or classic lemon and sugar? Bowed, go. What? Favourite pank? It's Shrove Tuesday. It's pancake day. Uh, yeah, no. What is your? F- it should be thin. It should have blueberries on it and a bit of sugar. There you go. Bowed. It should be vegan. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And what? How other rubbish should it be? Bit of maple syrup. Um, bit of chocolate, maybe some nice and sugar. Vegan, cop- no, vegan no chocolate. chocolate. These are all. These are all delicious <laughs> options. <laughs> these are all absolutely uh, delicious. Upon the examination. The galaxies of space. Images begin to appear. Images of strange and powerful forces. But of all the forces in the universe, the two most powerful Brendan Rogers and Jurgen Klopp. Prepare to explode. Champion versus champion. Title for title. It's the ultimate challenge. It's WrestleMania. So yeah, we have the return of Versus, uh, which is something we started uh, in the halcyon days of the 90 Minutes Cynic podcast. The very first one we ever did was uh, Skulls versus Xavi, which was a, a really interesting one. We also did Schmeichel's versus Van der Sar, 
Um, we've done a, we've done a ton of them. Um, schools versus Chevy. Chevy. Schools versus Chevy. All day long. <laughs> That's not an answer. Correct. There we go. Love nothing. Loves nothing more than sitting on the fence. Does bad. Um So yeah, we've done we've done this quite a few times. It's a feature I think we'll probably bring, roll out now and again. Um, uh, this one's quite prominent just because of what's currently happening at Celtic and what's happening at Liverpool as well. Kind of co-siding. Co- co- oh, what's the word? Coinciding. Is that the word? Coinciding? Coinciding is Co- a word, yeah. Is that a word? Okay. Um, Running parallel. Willing parallel. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, obviously what's happening with um, Liverpool's kind of great start to the season which has kind of turned into a bit of a slump and with Celtic being the greatest football team that's ever lived in the history of the human race and the world and everything that goes with that a lot of that's down to Brendan Rodgers we're in a unique position in the Christian Wolf um, he's a Celtic correspondent in terms of the podcast but he's also a Liverpool fan like so all other Norwegians as you pointed out and is, am I wrong there aren't all Norwegians are all Scandinavians pretty much Liverpool fans it, well, not the half that's Manchester United fans, but the yeah. other half, pretty much it. A topic for another podcast, I'll, I'll can go through the, the history of English football in Norway and how it started. And Make that one of your what, features. What, what, <laughs> why there's lots of Nottingham Forest fans there and, and, yeah. and things see like when, that. See when you say make that one of your features, like in his house on his <laughs> own. Um, <laughs> on the mantelpiece. Um, so this feature, um, this, this versus is Brendan Rodgers, bracket Celtic, versus... Uh, Klopp versus in brackets Liverpool. I forgot his first name. Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen, Jurgen. Jurgen Klopp. Um, so, I mean, just initial kind of thoughts on on both. Um, nothing to do with Liverpool separately. So, what are your kind of thoughts on Klopp at Borussia Dortmund? I mean, we could go to Mainz. I could. I'll certainly give you some background knowledge on Mainz. But your thoughts on how Klopp was at Dortmund? Yeah, in Germany, he was phenomenal. Mainz. Uh, um People might look and say, you know, he didn't take them very, you know, position-wise, he didn't finish that high. But actually, for the club that he was managing, who had basically the the smallest budget, maybe minus the teams that got promoted, yeah, um, from um, Bundesliga two, uh, he did phenomenally well, uh, which is why he got the Dortmund job, and then to win the league, um, to dominate the league, really, uh, be like the equivalent of Hearts smashing Celtic right now, probably, um, to, to defeat Bayern Munich in the, in the league. I'm just letting you speak. You were looking at me with angry eyes. Okay, I'm just, I, I think it's interesting you would class Borussia Dortmund as the Hearts of Germany. I just think budget-wise budget at that time... Yeah, okay, and we are talking around, what, 2007, 2008? Okay, later. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm talking shit. Sorry, to continue. Um... But yeah, it was a it was phenomenal what he did with Dortmund. Um, really was uh, the fact that Bayern then came back and started dominating. I don't think he, he says anything against Klopp. Frankly, they just absolutely bullied Dortmund with spending and just buying their best players over and over again. Uh, but yeah, Klopp is to my mind one of the best managers in the world right now. He um he went from he went to Dortmund in two thousand and eight. I was right, as always. Um, but no, Klopp, uh, he developed uh, certain, you know, like obviously um, 
Royce, obviously Royce came from Bruce and Gladbach, but when he was at Dortmund, he really went up, went up a level. Um, and as as you, as you say, about when he went to um, when he went to Dortmund, um, Dortmund, as soon as a player did well, he would be taken by Bayern Munich, um, and it was quite quite interesting that it happened. I think upwards of three times, four times. Um, what's your kind of take on Klopp, Christian? I Klopp, I. I think the first thing is I genuinely like him as a person. Um, I think he's quite underrated in in a coach. I, you know, when, when Rogers, we can go back to Rogers, but when when Rogers uh, was fired at Liverpool, I was annoyed because I, I was a big fan of Rogers. But I, but I think you know the only person I would, you know, not only but you know my top choice to replace him would be Jurgen Klopp because I I like the way he he seems like he treats his players. I like the way he's try and connect with the fans and then appreciate and not just pay lip service to that but actually you know from his background especially in Germany actively tries to challenge the crowd and to get them on board and to become more what they're like in Germany in in, in terms of the Liverpool fans so so I like to ask so I, I like the way he he plays football which is a bit mad uh, because it's 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 a hundred percent. It's um, it's it's very. Although it's probably some nuances in his, his tactics as well. It is as he said. It is a bit you know uh, metal rock about it. It is all guns blazing, and it's it's it's, it's a bit mad. But I, I kind of, in terms of as, as as a Liverpool fan, you want to coach. I don't. And I really as a Liverpool fan, Liverpool should be about winning the league, and and Liverpool. Can get somebody maybe like Ancelotti in, someone like Hiddink, in, and then can kind of guide them to a top four. You know, you're competent. But to win the league, even though Liverpool is a really rich club, they're not as rich as four or five other clubs. So, so to win the league, Liverpool needs to have a crazy season, and they need a kind of crazy manager. And they kind of had a crazy season under Rodgers as well. So, I think he's the kind of person that could bring Liverpool. Um, the title is probably the most likely of the candidates out there, but it's also just as likely to end outside the top four because that's like that's the flip side of the kind of football and that he does. And you kind of saw things like that in Dortmund as well, where they kind of fell off a cliff. Yeah, uh, in, 2012, 2012-13, they got to the, the the final of the Champions League um, again, as you say, with that sort of scattergun approach and uh, unbelievable uh, matches to get there. Um, and in 2013-14. They're in the relegation zone at times throughout that season. Um, he completely, the fans never left him though, and that's something about Dortmund as a club that you really do have to respect. Um, it, there was never really any. I don't think there was ever a case that he would be sacked in any way. Um, but that comes down to um, the love that people have for him as a person. Um, he's a very affable guy. He's a very nice guy. He's, he's genuine he's as well. Genuine. People and think like, oh, it's, it's an act as a player. I, I think I, I don't think you you last that long and have that many good things said about you, and, uh, unless you you're genuine about it. Yeah. So here's just an overview of kind of where they finished um, in 2010-11. Well, 2008-9, sixth, then fifth, and then first two two titles in a row, then two seconds in a row, then seventh. Um, got them to a Champions League final. Um, Dortmund, uh, terrific record there. 
um, in terms of if you look at it overall. But again, in, in, in other leagues, you know, finishing twice second and after having done two sort of a, a, a double season in a row, there's a chance he could have been sacked if he was in England. That's the, the sad indictment of where English football is. Boud, um, thoughts on Brendan Rodgers pre-Celtic? So, again, another top manager. Um, came in, was it Watford, his first job, saved them from relegation? I'm yeah, up. I think you're right, yeah. Um, and then, I think yeah, his next role maybe not so much happened there, but Swansea obviously took them and made them play incredibly good football. Got them promoted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, fantastic wee role. And Liverpool... I think a lot of people take away from what he did at Liverpool because of Suarez. Um, Which is fucking ridiculous. That's like taking away what if Martin O'Neill was, you know, Martin O'Neill had Larson. Yeah. Um, and they got, they had Suarez. It's not an argument. Sorry. Yeah, no, well, that's it. I mean, if you if you look at uh, Liverpool, their recent history, he nearly won them the league. He came second and it was very, very close. He might have had one of the best strikers in the world at the side, but... You know that's what he had to work with, um, and I don't think anyone before um, before he came in would have expected Liverpool to have won the league. So for his, what, his second season, was it that he came second? Yes. Yeah, uh, I think Rodgers did really well with with Liverpool, and I agree with Christian that they probably let him go too soon. Although, as far as replacement replacements go, Klopp is probably up there with about as good as Liverpool, I think, would have got. I think that's the golden rule of, of sacking a manager. Don't sack him unless you've got somebody who's presumably better awaiting in the wings. And then that's, that's what Liverpool did. You know, Klopp's status at that time was sky high. And he was he came in a week or two later. So it, it was quite clinical. And I, I said, you know, I, I think Brendan Rodgers could have thinked and, and managed his way out of that. But if you bring in Klopp, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> you know, you, you can't really argue with that. Um, just as you would bring in, uh, you know, a better player. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Rodgers at, at Liverpool, um, I, I kind of think, you know, it's probably because I got a pathological need to make everything about Ronnie Dyla. Yeah. But I, I'd, for, for Ronnie Dyla's appointment at Celtic, there's so many similarities with Brendan Rodgers' appointment at Liverpool. Because they were both came from a background of, you know, ha- not having managed any sort of close to that kind of um, size. size. There were, I think they're still kind of similar managers, young, have a similar day, have to play, you know, very keen on man management. Um, so there were, there were quite um, a new appointment in terms of the, you know, the previous appointment, both at Celtic and Liverpool. There was somebody from completely outside... You know the the Celtic network and the Liverpool network, and you know they weren't a big name internationally or in, on domestically. So all those things kind of um, th- there's similarities there, and I, I think obviously Rodgers had he had a really tough first season. You know, uh, you know that first season, he, he, I think he didn't win a league game for the first six or seven games. I think they ended sixth or seventh. Um, but I, I think something clicked in the second season and it, it, yeah it's, it's kind of a perfect storm where you know Luis Ares you know uh, the owner said you know <laughs> said F off to Arsenal you're not going there um, I think he did well with Suarez because Suarez could have gone in the half but I think he, he channeled that quite well with Suarez you know Rogers obviously speaks fluent Spanish as well like really fluent football uh, Spanish as well 
Um, you've got Raheem Sterling, who's had his first, you know, that season became his, his breakthrough season. Yeah, Daniel Sturridge on, on top form. But that's those three players add Steven Gerrard to that. It's not easy to put them into a team and make it work properly. But it was kind of like he, it was a bit like Klopp, where the Liverpool just, it was a crazy season. Because they just went at it game after game after game. There was just to just pour forward, and it was it was kind of mental football because you know they were they would blow Everton away three four goals in the first twenty minutes. Arsenal blew them away. Tottenham blew them away. They went to places like Manchester United where they needed to win and just just won easy as that. I think they won five three in Cardiff, five two against Norwich. It was just it, it, it was kind of like you know it was rock and roll football, and it was the only way team Liverpool can, can win the league by having such a crazy season and then you also have he was so close to do something at Liverpool let me just jump in yeah. and tell you um, a, a run of 11 straight match so in 2013-2014 a run of 11 straight wins 11 straight wins in the English Premier League which is ridiculous uh, 11 straight wins for Liverpool let them 5 points clear at the top of the league with 3 matches to play one and game then, more than City I think they had yeah, and then they lost 2-0 to to Chelsea, and then they drew th- three each, having been 3-0 up at, but, but, at Crystal Palace. But even, even I think that... And then um, Man City came in and... City, City had a, the same run, a, same kind of run as well, and that people forget. I mean, Liverpool's point total in that season would have won the league in most other seasons. Yeah. It's just because City had an incredible season as well. And I think even though they won 11 in a row, as soon as they lost that one to Chelsea... That was City, City had the upper hand because they had a better goal difference. Yeah, I mean, I think and, and they, yeah. a game against Palace is, is a perfect um, illustration because Liverpool needed to win something like eight or nine nil to have to, to have a chance to, to surpass City's goal difference, and that's why they went for it. I mean, I think they were three 0 up early in the second half, and they just pour forward. I think when the one came back, it it, it collapsed. So it collapsed at the end, but he was so close to do something that would put him on a level with. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, in terms of Liverpool managers, uh, he's you been know, facetious. I know it was, um, but yeah, so so he was so close, and so but a lot that season kind of it kind of reminds you of a bit of a of a club team because they were just such a focus on just attacking. They scored something like a hundred goals, hundred one goals, yeah, um, which is the most that they've scored since you know eighteen ninety five. Um, Rogers won LMA Manager of the Year, which is the first Liverpool manager to ever do that. Um, it, the hundred one goals is the third highest in Premier League history. Um, and then after that, as you say, um, the next seasons they finish sixth. They get knocked out of the Champions League. Then they get knocked I, out of Europa League. I, I think what they did just a bit of a disaster, really, isn't and it? And I think maybe it's hard to tell from that. But it seemed that Rogers then wanted to become a bit more of a rounded team rather than just all. Obviously, Suarez went, Balotelli came in, but I think they kind of wanted to become a, a top club in terms of to consolidate in the top four. Maybe go for the league again instead of going crazy again. And I think that's probably the mistake that happened. That you know they, they should have just continued with that crazy style of football. And I think it's it interesting happen. that you know if you compare to Klopp, Klopp wins two titles in a row. Um, and as you say about you know Dortmund aren't you know people think Dortmund are like one of the they are one of the biggest clubs in Germany. But you know you know there's plenty of other bigger clubs there in terms of just history, fan base, etc. But to go to um to win in the league twice, two in a row, to then second in a row, two and two in a row finishing second, then to be seventh, he walked away of his own accord. He the, the board wanted them to stay, the fans wanted them to stay, and if you compare that to Rogers Yeah. Was it not a double double as well, which is um pretty much unheard of not unheard of because the 
Bayern have done it, but um, in Bundesliga, it's not something that happens. Mm, Am I lying? No, you're lying. Ah, well. They, do, they, they did the double in the second year, though, which is, again, doing the double in because it's not... Yeah. It's the consecutive titles. It just, yeah, consecutive titles very, very early. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we've got kind of parallels, but, you know, harshly treated in different ways. Now, Liverpool are one of the biggest clubs in the world and they do demand success and they did give them that second season. But he spoke about, Roger spoke about the fact um, that he kind of had his hands tied behind his back in a lot of ways with the with the transfer board and, and, and such. And he maybe didn't get the freedom that he's been allowed to have now at Celtic. Um, when And it's good to, you know, do your apprenticeship at Liverpool. Gets you the big move to go. Celtic, of course. Yep. You need to be prepared for those away days in Hamilton. Uh, it's, it's, it's good grounding uh, <laughs> for that, that face. Um, I, I, I do think in, in terms of... And the transfer committee was obviously uh, talked about a lot. Uh, I, I think it was a weird one with, with Rodgers because when he came in, obviously the, um, the FSG, you know, the Liverpool owners, they they were intent on, on getting a director of football. They had a director of football, uh, Damien Comoli, uh, coming in. And I think that was their plan going forward. But I think as, you know, obviously the same as when uh, Rodgers came to Celtic. You know, Rodgers said, look, it's, it's, it's I'm... I'm in charge. I want. I don't want to direct the football. You know, he's he wanted to be the person who controlled everything. Um, so there's various things about who signed off on uh, the con- uh, transfers in Liverpool. They're saying that some were Rogers signings, other were you know the other people in this transfer committee, which is uh, you know director of football, scouting, you know the, the analytics guys, pushed other players as well. So there was always that. Sense around label. The speculation is okay. Who's a Rogers signing? Who isn't a Rogers signing? So I don't. I don't think that helped. Um, and you know there was <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on at label as well. But I think he had pretty good owners at label. I think the owners of label is, is somebody who learned on the job as well. Um, and I, you know, in terms of the, per- the buys who so you know, presumably Rogers like Benteke, you know, they didn't turn out well either. So I, I think. Well, but in essence, I, I think what people maybe kind of forget about coaches as well is that, you know, they, they, they develop as well. They learn as well. So those three and a half years in uh, in Liverpool would have been an enormous experience for coaches, you know, because he's, he's in one of the highest profile jobs in the world at quite a young age. Um, and get the exposure, gets, you know, uh, the experience he builds up there is, must be incredible. So but when he comes to his next job, which is quite, a, in a way, a similar job in terms of size of the club, but in a whole different kind of starting position um, for Celtic. You know, he's, he's so much better equipped at that point to take over Celtic than he would have been before coming in. And, you know, uh, not to continue my, my, my dial-up parallel, um, you know, Rodgers coming um, to Celtic is kind of like Klopp coming to Liverpool because then you got somebody in who you thought, it's kind of the same kind of manager, but it was an upgrade. Whereas Rogers coming to Celtic is kind of the same manager as Della, but but an upgrade. And because of, you know, um, what I'm saying is it's basically Rogers was Celtic's Klopp in a way. It's the same thing as for Liverpool's Klopp coming in. Rogers coming in was that status 
and the reputation and somebody who is really exciting coach there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities um, he went uh, Liverpool this season uh, first 23 games domestically the two defeats in 23 um, which is a lot but they've kind of capitulated over the last couple of you know this, this month frankly they're out the FA Cup um, obviously they weren't in the League Cup final and they've dropped to where are they in the league now? Uh, Still fourth, I think. But fourth in the league. But if Manchester United, more, yeah. you know, win their game in hand. Uh, what would you be thinking now if you're a Liverpool fan, Boud? Would you start to fear that, you know, you're kind of going down the same sort of road that happened previously? If I was a Liverpool fan, I'd dry my eyes, uh, get over it and just trust in Klopp. He'll take you there. He's not as good as Rodgers, but he'll get you there. You made the mistake already. You made the mistake already, so stick with them. That's yep. your don't lester it. <laughs> Jesus, he's got this is a, he's playing this character. I like it. It's, it's, it's like, um, what would you th- what would you as a Liverpool fan? Are you, I take it you're taking the kind of rough with the smooth at this point. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's if you want cop out now, you're, you're. I mean, there's a lot of idiots out there, but you are one of the biggest ones. Um, I, I, you know, Rogers. Same with Klopp. Klopp needs to get used to that league. You know, people say, "Oh, he, you know, he needs to get used to the league," um, and they mean it because they think the English league is, is so good. But you do need to get used to it because it's so crazy. And in terms of the, it doesn't just the outside influences on it, but the way they play football, and then as I said before, it's, it's a bit madness. So, so Klopp will learn from this season. And don't forget, like two months ago, they were like people saying, okay, even though Chelsea was going that big run, Liverpool looked like the biggest contender. Now they have trailed off, and I think they probably, you know, they, they can easily still make the the top four if they can recover some form. But the, the issue this season. What you have to think about, if you put it in your context, I still think they have the best, if you take that as a mini-league, the top five or six teams, um, Liverpool has the best record, still. The defeats have been against Barnsley, <laughs> Swansea, uh, Bournemouth, um, at the weekend at, at, at Leicester as well. So they've been dom- they've been dominating the best teams in the league because I think when they come toe-to-toe with somebody who, who kind of plays the same game and wants to attack, they're that really works well the structure is when you get teams like Swansea and Barnsley they just haven't been able to break them down or maybe because the playing style is so demanding that it's it's hard to keep that level of performance what's needed in every single game because it's a long season even though they're not in Europe but also against those lesser teams so I think Klopp again would have learned a lot from this season I mean, and I think you know it's it's you need he had seven seasons in Mainz he had seven seasons in Dortmund he should have seven seasons in Liverpool as well um, if you look at I mean it's obviously getting knocked out of the FA Cup by by Wolves then drawn with Liverpool and uh, drawn with Chelsea then losing to Hull and then beating Tottenham and then losing to Leicester it's like high low high low in terms of the league you can beat the top guys or you know and, compete with them but when it comes to and, the and people say, the you know, trash the next three games three of the four next games they got Arsenal City and Everton but that, that, that's the kind of run that probably will suit them quite well yeah. I think it's good for them to meet some really good teams now <laughs> do you like the trash comment right? he's right into it <laughs> Um, Just um, a couple of comments from listeners. Uh, Brian Murray, okay, here's one. Um, Klopp is a stubborn man who showed no respect or awareness of Leicester's counter-attacking prowess. Hashtag chat shit get banged. Thoughts, Boud? If Ranieri was there, different kettle of fish. (laughs) Completely different kettle of fish. 
Um, yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, is he good a fanboy at Cameron Simpson? I bet if it was Rogers in Klopp's position and recent run of form, the Coppites would be calling for his head. Now, that's an interesting point. Do, would you agree with that? Aye, probably. Because um, they're all clowns. <laughs> I'm looking I, at you, Christian. Thanks. Um, no, no, I, I think so as well. Because... Is it I, repu- is, is no, but a, a fans. I think a fans. Mm, a lot of fans' perception of that is, you know, when the team isn't doing well, they fall back on the stereotypes. Yeah, and and the same, you know, with Rogers, it's like, oh, it's, it's, the job is too big for him. Uh, you know, he doesn't have experience to respect. Bloody you know, laptop. Exact same as you know at Dallas Celtic. You know, you know, Here if, if you come Lord outside, Jesus, go go up one comment. You're gonna right? get no, but if if you perceive as being somebody inexperienced or new or outside that bubble, you won't get the grace from the media, from the fans that some other coaches will. And you can say Klopp has earned it. You know, Dallas and Rogers at that time hadn't earned that you know grace period. But yeah, no, I think the way. Rodgers was viewed at Liverpool is a completely different way in that he was viewed as Celtic because when he's at Liverpool, he's not a nobody, but somebody really young from a small club that hadn't done anything big in the footballing world. He could have had the best ideas in the world and be a great coach, which I think he's both of those things. He's got great ideas and got great coach. But because he was who he was when he came to Liverpool, he's treated differently than, than Klopp is. Again, you can say Klopp has baggage to lean on and he's, he's, he's earned that. But Rogers coming to Celtic is then seen, as I said, as a club, as somebody who's been to Liverpool, who will have, you know, respect within the football community. You know, the, the media will, you know, treat him. He, he knows how he can handle the media, but also they might a little bit in, in awe of him and they won't pounce on the first mistake he does, like Dury Kefro, like they often did with Dyla. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's completely different. And, and it buys a manager a lot of time and grace if something was going to go... Uh, rough. And, and Brendan's really been um, using that with all the mistakes he's been making. He's had to rely on that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, Daniel McGowan, he tweets um, Brendan Rogers three years at Liverpool, no better or worse than Klopp's 18 months. Brendan Rogers at Celtic plus Swansea is great, but Klopp at Dortmund was amazing. It's a fair enough point. Um, I, I, I think it's coaches at I mean, different no stages of their careers as well. Yeah, he's no Thomas Tuchel. But. So uh, Daniel actually got. Um, uh, an article in the supplement coming out next week about Luis Enrique. It's quite heavily tactic uh, based as well. Good. So that's the kind of kind of cool kind of stuff we're yeah. after. Um, so just we've got another one other comment. Um, this is from Liam King. Liam. Um, Brendan Rodgers untreated, un- unfairly treated at Anfield question mark people moan British managers don't get chances time however Rodgers got a lot more stick than Jurgen Klopp even though he took Liverpool to second their highest league finishing years Klopp is better suited to a league that actually has decent fans willing to create atmosphere he spends the majority of the game geeing up the crowd the atmosphere, Anfield atmosphere is a myth what he's basically saying is um, Klopp and Rodgers should swap places and Klopp should come to Celtic <laughs> Thanks, Liam. Um, no. uh, nah, it's, 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 a, it's a great point. Um, well, Liam is right. I think, and Klopp is quite aware of that. He's aware that the atmosphere in English games is nothing like the German ones. And it's the relationship between the fans and the clubs, for a rare reason, is different. I think that the fans generally feel like they're part of the club a lot more in Germany, whereas in, in England it's almost like a disgruntled... Uh, you know, customer kind of thing if it doesn't go well. How, how dare they be bad? You know, 
the lack of atmosphere has a lot to do with the pricing and the, the demographics that go and in terms of the crowds how they're handled so so yeah it's 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 maybe that's something we don't consider enough when people go from a league from from germany to, to england that it's it's uh it's a different atmosphere there's a different relationship with the fans and you shouldn't underrate the, the importance of things like that. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're finishing up now. Um, but I'll just give you some the managerial records. I know that you can't always go by these, but um, Jurgen Klopp at Mainz, um, 40%, 40.4% win rate, 109 games, 83 draws, 83 losses, and 78 draws. Borussia Dortmund, this is the key one. 56.3% win rate. Um, out of 318 games, he won 179. Um, so 56%, that's decent. That gets you two titles, apparently, in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool, he's got currently got a 48.3% win rate. I think Brendan Rodgers is... I, I, I didn't know he was slightly of higher after 55 Rodgers games. Brendan Rodgers had a 50% win rate at Liverpool. I can't believe you're using stats. I'm using stats. stats get your eyes off the spreadsheet and have a look at the game. Stats are the hell. Oh, Jesus. Stats are the way forward. I love stats. Sorry, Matt. Um, so <laughs> I the, told him to say that. <laughs> Celtic. Um, we all, we don't even have to look at Brendan Rodgers' stats at Celtic. We know what is you know how phenomenally well he's done. At Celtic, we've already scored 105 goals under him, and we are in February still. There's no need to bring up his Celtic record because. We, we all know it. I'm going to ask Dominating you, percent. Would Jurgen Klopp do at Celtic what Brendan Rodgers has? Uh, maybe not. Uh, he maybe wouldn't be dominating the domestically quite as well, but I think he would He would be doing well. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good manager, but Brendan, <laughs> you couldn't really ask for much more than him. Obviously, in Europe, we didn't quite get past the group stages, but I don't think anyone would expect that with the group that we got and this team and how they've performed in Europe recently. Um, yeah, I mean, Brendan's just smashed it. Will Klopp take Liverpool as close as Rodgers did or will he surpass it? Depends. If he gets his seven years, I wouldn't be surprised if Klopp um, won Liverpool a title. But if Rodgers got seven years, we could be seeing the same. Yeah, exactly. Same questions to yourself, Christian. I think Liverpool will win the title on the club. Um and I think Celtic, I think Rogers got a, quite a clear plan with Celtic as well. I, I think he's, I think he's here for the time. Yeah, I, th- I think, I, yeah. I think he is. And and well, I mean, Rogers can uh, win a title with Celtic. I think that's well. Let's not count our chickens just yet. But yeah, it looks likely. Um, but then again, he's he's five years younger than Klopp, and I think that's where they are. Klopp, he's pretty much five years behind in the career as well. I think Klopp has achieved more. Um, he's, he's, he's won a domestic title in the, in the top league he's been to a Champions League final um, he's won cups uh, Rodgers has won he's won one league cup um, so he's achieved more um, but I also you know it's, it's two of my favourite managers you know I've, I've you know in, in terms of both you know managers of the clubs I support but I think they're you know they're both want to play football the right way i think they're, they're very clever they're i think they're in slightly different way really good man managers and i think you know that's the kind of coaches you you want around um because they have a clear idea they have a clear philosophy and you know they're, they're a lot about what we hear about brendan as well is he's, he's so much involved in everything in the coaching as well he's a coach um and not only a manager so yeah i, I think for now klopp is 
maybe better or he's, he's you know he's, he's ahead in his career but you know there's no reason why Rogers in five years time would have you know achieved um, almost as much so we come down to the the main question um, Rogers versus Klopp Boud Rogers or Klopp Rogers Christian Klopp Klopp uh, I would go with Rogers. Depends on the job, though. As I said, you know, I, I think yes, I said this is two of my favorite. Actually, managers. I'd go with I'd go with Tuchel. <laughs> Tuchel. Tuchel. I think there's space for both of them. Right. So Rogers definitively Klopp definitively Christian. Yeah, I'm, I'm Klopp. and I go with Rogers. So this versus um, has ended with Brendan Rogers as um, champion. He's won something. Uh, something else this season. Um, I thought he dominated this versus very well. Um, almost a clean sweep. You're the Inverness of this particular versus. Could be. Worse. Could be. Yeah. It could be. It could be another club that don't exist anymore, but they kind of do. They. Oh. Um, that's our that's our show for this week. And um, we've actually went one hour and forty seven minutes, so it's ninety Jesus. minutes and a wee bit cynic this week um, but you can catch us at 90 Minute Cynic on Twitter we are also on iTunes if you search for 90 Minute Cynic you can get us there if you can subscribe to us that would be terrific and leave a positive wee comment if you would that would Read be terrific stay tuned for next week the supplement I was about to get to that you've jumped bunch in. of articles you'll like them guaranteed on those articles yeah you've not even said the name of the website the 90, 90 minutecynic.com <laughs> um, there you go 90 is the website check it out for the supplement next week we'll, we will be bumping that and posting lots of different links to that um, lots of different interesting articles and uh, keep in touch with that 90 Minute Cynic on Twitter at 90 Minute Cynic on iTunes as I say subscribe that would be terrific we're also on Spreaker Spreaker.com slash the 90 Minute Cynic like us on Facebook why Why the hell not Facebook.com slash 90 Minute Cynic I, I got a good fight on Facebook I think it might get a little bit big is that English? <laughs> what did you, was that English there? I, did, I don't know. Yardy hoody hoody Wait, what? For the first time. Uh, Christian Wilf, it's been a pleasure as always. Always a pleasure. Thank you. We've got some exciting stuff. We've got the supplement coming up. We maybe have uh, some interesting podcast oh, news coming up soon. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, 20 Minute Tim's. Dun, dun, dun. Those guys are going to get battered. Am I right? Bigly. Bigly. Massively. Uh, an angry Chris Bowd. Hopefully drunk. You're going to get smashed if you keep that chat up. Not even joking. Um, I am Chris Gallagher. We are the 90 Minute Cynic and we'll speak to you down the road. If you smell what the rock is cooking.